Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hey, I'm Scott Pipe. Hi, I'm Nick Percat. You are listening to Inside Supercars. For sure, I think if I get to drive more and more and more, uh, for sure, you know, I'm going to feel more comfortable. I nearly told him to calm down in the end. I'm like, mate, you're making me stressed. I'm stressed enough as is. In 2014, Chaz Mostert and Paul Morris won Bathurst. The race finished at almost 6.30 and 5.2 million people were watching at the end of that race. So a quarter of the Australian population watched Chaz win that race. That's a pretty you know, compelling figure to, to drop on anybody. <laughs> From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. Welcome race fans to yet another week of Inside Supercars with Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock. Evening Craig. Good evening Tony. Another great weekend in supercars wasn't it? Indeed it was, indeed it was. And then again last weekend interesting to see uh, the IndyCars kick off at St Petersburg. Great race with Sebastian Bourdais uh, coming from last to first. Not a good weekend for uh, Will Power. Uh, he did get his seventh pole in eight races there but you know, there's next week, last year, he didn't even compete there, so better on. So we've got a big week's agenda this week, uh, starting off with Super 2, talking about some developments over there in Adelaide and the rest of the series, the wild cards, and then having a look maybe at, at uh, Dunlop and what's going to happen there. So, and Craig, you were fortunate enough to talk to some of the uh, Super 2 competitors over in Adelaide. Paul Dumbrell was uh, very keen to say that the Super 2s are now... Uh, the right format. They've got the right mix of races, and uh, in, in fact, we can hear from him now. I think it's really good. You know, I think I think it's uh, you know bringing the next generation drivers through. That's what the fans want to want to know. They want to know who the next you know Jamie Winkup, Shane Van Gisbergen, or Scotty McLaughlin is. And uh, you know, and I certainly think that will uh, that will help and also raise the profile. You know, the media have a race to talk about, not just practice and and whatnot. So I think it's good. I think it's a you know I think supercars have got literally 90% uh, of it right this year. It's just you know one or two small things which hopefully uh, you know they'll be able to tweak for this season or next season. Well, that's certainly an informed man's view, given that he has been competing in that category for some time and is a two-time champion of the series. Um, it, it's wonderful to see how it's developed and the way in which the teams have ramped up. You know, we, we see Matt White moving from running PRA cars to now he's running the two Nissans and bringing that third mate into the uh, development series, or Super 2 as it's known now. It's also good to see the, the development of the wild cards, and I see that... Todd Hazelwood is the latest with Matchstone Racing to throw their hat in the ring and to be competing later in the year. Yes, and Todd also talked about his mix of racing in 2017. Oh, I think it's a fantastic opportunity and I wish uh, the supercars actually opened up this rule many years ago because I think it's a fantastic incentive for guys to... Put them up, put themselves against the best guys in the in the field, and you know prove what they can do. Because I think a lot of drivers, probably including myself, they haven't had the opportunity yet to actually get it step into the main game and, and showcase what they can do. And you know to this date yet, I still don't have a co-driver in the main series, and we're pe- you know we're beating guys that are signed up with some of the biggest teams up and down the lanes. So you know we're looking at maybe doing a wild card round this season, and I think that would be a great opportunity for me to hopefully put a, a solid weekend together and showcase what we can do. And not only what I can do, but also what the team can do as well. And, yeah, I think that'd be really exciting. What sort of funding do you need just to do one of those uh, main game races as a wildcard? Um, to do the Super Sprint rounds, it's actually not too much different uh, to a Dunlop Series event. 
but the biggest killer is obviously the staffing. The, the staff required for a uh, main supercars event is a lot greater than a Dunlop series event. So, you know, you've got double the amount of engineers, double the mechanics. So, uh, yeah, that's something that we'll look at. We're working at costs at the moment to try and put something together. And we're very fortunate to have some fantastic people in our corner um, with Big Mate and Truck Dealers and GRK Plumbing who have uh, been behind me for a long time now, including iSeek as well. And, you know, that's something that now that we've got an opportunity to do it, we thought, well, why not, that's, why not have a crack and uh, see where, how we go? Well, he certainly has got things well and truly ready for a big year, having had his first win over there. Thank you for that, Todd. One of the great successes from last weekend, it was uh, wonderful to see uh, a competitor be so dominant, as in days of old, but one of the reasons for that dominance was the way in which Shane Van Gisbergen so readily adapted to the new tyre. The new tyre that was stiffer in the sidewall, and with the teams getting far more data, they probably were tuning the car far more than in recent times, with that easy start-up, the easier start-up of the year. Kevin Fitz uh, has been a long-time competitor in motor racing and most you know, recently the last 12, 15 years with Dunlop as the motorsport manager. It was great to see that success for him. Indeed, and I know that uh, Dunlop head office was thrilled with the feedback they were getting about the soft and the super soft tyres at Clipsal. It was, uh, you know, I think Dunlop have put a lot of money in there, Tony, and they are seeing positive feedback and people talking positively about the product, and that's exactly what they're in the sport for. Yes, indeed. It it will be uh, extremely good because all we're talking about today, of course, is the commercial success and the commercial changes that have happened in recent times. This week, we're fortunate enough to have Troy Bundy, who's the commercial manager from Walkinshaw Racing, or HSV Mobile One Racing, as they are now. Interesting to talk to him next and find out some more of the insights on the commercial side, which Dunlop, of course, have well and truly, given that they've been for so long the tyre supplier to our category. So we'll now cross over and have a chat to Troy about it. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page. And to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian Tiles since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at the Freeway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm David Reynolds, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It's afternoon on Inside Supercars to Troy Bundy, Commercial Director of Walkinshaw Racing and HSV Mobile One Racing. Troy? Thanks, thanks guys. Great to be here. Wonderful, wonderful. It's uh, interesting times we live in, and particularly uh, for somebody who works in a supercar team, presenting the challenges of uh, getting the funding in place and uh, all the coverage that you need to uh, keep those uh, sponsors happy. When did you become interested in motorsport? Uh, it's quite interesting, actually. I, I don't think there was a time where I ever think, I thought, consciously thought I'm interested in motorsport. I actually grew up in a race car family. My father was a touring car driver back in the 80s, and he raced RX3s, I think, in the 70s, and then RX7s um, in the 80s and raced at Bathurst three times. So basically, my whole life has been around 
um, race car. So just I was just being brought up around it. I've always loved it. Um, my earliest memory is sitting in his race car and just pretending I'm a race car driver, and then eventually I end up going to go karts, but um, and doing it myself. And ironically, I've ended up in the sport in a, in a, in a job that I love. So I've been pretty lucky, really. What's your father's name? Uh, John Bundy. So he was a privateer. Um, back in the 80s, so yeah, I did race around Brocky and all those sort of guys, but you know, obviously, back in those days, you had private two teams that could enter, and and you know, it was a passion of his, and he never took on the big guys, but he absolutely loved it, and still talks about it today, it's quite funny. So you obviously knew about the needs of a, a race team and what drives it. Yeah, absolutely, and it's quite, quite ironic, the difference between his race team back in the day and and what it takes now to put um, Mobile One HSV racing on the on the track is completely different. His race car is in the garage of our house, and you know we've got roughly you know 50 people here working full time and putting two cars on the grid. So the demands and the professionalism are just a completely new level now. Back um, back in the 80s. So, what qualifications did you then take about to prepare you for your role, or did you not think you'd end up in motor racing? Yeah, not at all, actually. It was quite... I just actually just fell into it. I um, actually used to work for news, news and the newspapers in Sydney, um, and so I was actually an, an advertising key account manager um, looking after all their sort of big clients nationally. And ironically, um, you know, I always had a passion for motorsport and V8s, and so I ended up um, hunting V8s down for six months and trying to um, obviously increase the coverage in our newspapers nationally. And, and six months later... Um, you know, dealing with Wayne Caddick and at that stage Tracy Benton was the marketing manager and ended up doing a deal nationally. Um, I looked after them for about two years as my key account and then one day um, uh, Wayne sort of um, was in Sydney for the race and said, do you want to catch up for lunch? And caught up for lunch with him and then basically straight away just off, basically said, I love what you do. Um, you're really passionate about the sport. Um, have you ever thought about running our sponsorship program? And I still remember to this day that I actually said yes before even asking about money or titles or anything like that. But we we sorted it out pretty quickly, and then yeah, four weeks later I moved back to the moved to the Gold Coast and and took up a new role, um, you know, a new basically new career path in sponsorship from advertising. But they're very very linked. You know, it's obviously a very similar industry, but um, just slightly different platform. That's all. Very early on, you made the transition from publishing the newspaper world and and the advertising there into the uh, very heady world of supercars in the, in the category. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And it was, and I actually loved it, to be honest with you. I still remember my first day at B8. It was actually, it was 2007, and it was um, the, the uh, Sydney Motorsport Park around where um, where Mark Scaife and Russell Ingle had the little, little supposed yeah. sidetrack. That was actually my first day. And it was like, um, it was quite funny that my first day would be that massive incident. And But it was, I just, you know, I absolutely loved my time with V8s. It was a great bunch of people. Um, you know, even to this day, some of those people that I, I worked with back then uh, still are my best friends. And, you know, I had um, two great leaders in Wayne Caddick and also Tony Cochran as well. Um, you know, everyone's got an opinion on Tony, but um, I absolutely loved my time with him. He's really inspirational. And Wayne was the balancing act of that. So, so I learned so much from them. I learned so much from my other peers in that business. And I just, I think we achieved so much with such a small little team. Uh, we achieved so much back then, you know, going to China and going to all these sort of other areas and really, really developing the sport into a new area. It was, it was just a, a fantastic time to be, in, be involved in it. They certainly would have prepared you for, obviously, what was a very large job. Um, I, I'm not suggesting it was one that... Uh, 
uh, was inevitable, but um, with the rebranding of uh, the Walkinshaw team, uh, HRT moving as it was by Holden to Triple Eight. So how difficult was it rebranding of HRT? Um, the rebranding, I, I suppose that wasn't difficult. I think, I think it, it's a process you just need to go through. And I think there was a, you know, it was clearly we we're disappointed to lose HRT, but we are we're incredibly grateful for the 25 years we had with them. And and ultimately we we sat down as a business and just sort of, um, yeah, as a leadership group and decided and worked on our values basically saying what do we want to be? So what do we want to relaunch as? It's a really great opportunity for us to start from scratch and build something from scratch. And, and so we talked about those values. We talked about um, uh, how we want to be perceived in the market. But fundamentally, once we went through that process, there was one question which um, answered everything for us. And it was basically, uh, what do our key stakeholders want to see from us? What's, what's really important to them? for them to connect back onto us because we had a huge fan base that followed us for such a long time um, and we wanted to make sure that that fan base didn't move with the brand. And so, so everything that we developed, everything we, we we built from the name of the team to the look of the car to the merchandise program to the membership program, um, it was all designed under one question, which was what do our key stakeholders, being our fans and being our corporate partners, want? And I think we've done an okay job of that. I think um, certainly the feedback we've got from our fans is that um, they're very happy with um, you know Mobile One HSV Racing. Um, we're incredibly lucky in that regard that we had um, you know we own HSV, we manufacture the cars here, so aligning. Um, our race team to the bigger business here made sense. Um, but we also knew that fans were very passionate about that brand and very passionate about that car. So that was that was almost um, an easy home run for us. But on top of that, then uh, we had a fantastic long-term partner in Mobile One. And, you know, they've been with us for 25 years now. I think it's the longest-running partnership in Australian motorsport. And, and that was, um, you know, when we approached them and said, hey, we've got this concept, we've got this idea, uh, what are your thoughts? And we want to bring two iconic brands back into motorsport, being Mobile One and HSV together. You know, Mobile One, we we had Mobile One um, Holden Racing Team back in the day with Brocky, and then um, later on we had HSV dealer team um, where we won two championships. So we actually sort of combining two of our past together, which would create a great brand for our fans. And they just, um, you know, they get us and they understand us and, and they always have, and they just jumped on it straight away and, and absolutely believed in our vision and our passion and, and what we wanted to bring to market. And they felt there was really great value um, with working together and creating that together and going to market for both of our organisations. So so it was actually not as hard as you think once we went through the process. How early on was Mobile One, um, you know, given that it was, I, 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 from what I understand, it was early last year when... Uh, Walkinshaw knew about the moving of the brand, HRT. How early on was Mobile One signed up as the uh, principal sponsor in the way in which they are now? Yeah. Well, we sort of, I think we found out roughly, and this is the, big, the biggest challenge we had, um, and it's not anyone's fault, it's just a process that Holden had to go through, was we found out in, I think, early October is when we officially found out. Oh, that, that late, right. Yeah. yeah, it was quite late, and... Um, and you know, and in the commercial game, that's incredibly late. You know, so that was that was the biggest challenge for us. Is you know, we found out incredibly late. Um, and then we had to sit down and work out what we're going to be, and then we had to go to market and, and and try and get significant amount of sponsorship in a very short period of time, which is a bad time of year to do that because it's Christmas period. So, so that was our biggest challenge. And so, 
So we were, I think we were quite strategic in how we, we did that, and we went to the you know our existing partner group first, and and clearly Mobile One was on top of that tree, and so so we once we we developed the concept and and put that project together, um, we went to them straight away. Um, and you know that takes there's multiple stakeholders in in mobile because it's at, uh, mobile one. It's not just um, the corporate company. It's also all the distributors involved in our, our relationship as well. So there's multi multiple facets and multiple support elements there. And and but when we presented it, they they um, they understood it and got it straight away and just jumped on board. So I think officially we sort of finished it in uh, roughly just before Christmas. Um, so it was a good way to finish the year and, and go into Christmas. It was a great Christmas present, thanks to Mobile, number one. And um, But, you know, obviously um, that takes a couple of months of process to do. So we sort of probably um, knew we were going to do it a bit earlier, but finished it off in contract um, around Christmas time. You, you've certainly done a fantastic job, uh, and I give full accolades to you for the way in which the cars look and the branding and, and the rebranding of the Walkinshaw Racing Team because... It does hark back to that time of the 80s and 90s. It does have that that element of, you know, you, you might have lost the official brand of HRT, but it seems that the cars still carry that kudos of being a, a very major uh, team. Yeah, and that that's we, that was a conscious decision. I think, um, you know, we sort of, even though we lost HRT and, and we're not the factory team anymore, um, as far as we're concerned, you know, Admittedly, it's our own business, but we are the factory team for HSV now. So, so um, we felt like we could develop just as good a product, maybe not as good, but just as good a product um, by combining a couple of key assets here. And, and you know, every time we were looking at the car design or the logo or everything we did, um, again, we always went back to that same question is, what do the fans want? What do our corporate partners want? Because that, that they're the two most important stakeholders to us. And, and um you know, clearly we've we've connected a bit of history there with Mobile One, with HSV, which we've had a long history with both those organisations, and and you know we think combining those two things together has really worked well to um, to provide a platform for our fans to come back to us, and and we absolutely saw that at Clipsal. We had we had an amazing weekend at Clipsal corporately. That is, um, you know, I think we sold roughly about twelve hundred memberships in two days, um, which is which is good, which is very very good for us. We had. Um, some challenges around merchandise because we just didn't have enough there. So we literally sold out by Sunday. Um, so these are these are challenges, but these are really positive challenges to have that you you literally don't have enough um, product to take to market. So which we're working on at the moment. Mm-hmm. I, I know from John Cran and Marg. I can't remember Marg's sur- surname, but Margaret who worked with John. Those tales from the uh, early nineties. Um, when almost transporters were needed just to take the money home from Bathurst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think we're at that stage. Saying, no, no, but, but it'd be nice, but yeah, it, but it's it, still, it's still very obviously. Yeah. You know, you're showing indications that you know you haven't lost, you know, totally the the support of the fans that they've been kept on board. And and yeah, we're finding that we read social media consistently, and and the feedback's been amazing. We're just, you know, to be honest with you, we're really. Um, honoured to have the fans we do. I think, you know, I'm biased. I think we've got the best fans in Australian sport. They're just so rusted on and so passionate about what we do. And, and some of the emails we got, some of the messages we got, even before we announced, was we're 100% behind you guys. Uh, you know, we know the history of, of what you've, you've done in the past. Uh, we're with you. And then when we launched, 
And, you know, we put a lot of work into that launch video and, and the look and feel and talking about the history before we launched. And, and that was that was a, a strategic approach of ours. And, and that all really worked well. And that was a pretty proud moment when we launched the video at midnight and um, and the feedback was amazing. So, you know, we're, we're incredibly grateful um, to have such a great um, fan fan base that supports us all the way through. Mm. Troy, you've mentioned that you've targeted the base livery, the, the, the core livery on that uh, history, but over uh. the course of the year, are you going to have any uh, special liveries to celebrate other significant Walkinshaw liveries from the, from the, you know, the 25 years that they have been part of uh, the supercar program? Yeah, absolutely. We're working on, unfortunately, I'd love to be able to tell you, but we're working on a couple of key projects at the moment, <laughs> but, um, which are really exciting. I think, you know, I think our fans are absolutely going to love it. And, um, um, but yeah, it's, it's along the lines of, you know, what Holden, Holden has done a fantastic job with us in the past and we've still have a strategic partnership with them moving forward with, with greater business. So, um, you know, so, you know, we've done things like Anzac Day um, with Holden in the past, which has worked really well. We've done, obviously, the Star Wars program at Bathurst, which is fantastic. And, and that's some key learnings we've taken from Holden. And I think you'll, you'll see similar programs from us moving forward as well. Maybe slightly different to that. Obviously, we're not going to um, copy what Holden did, but along those lines in the other platforms. Timing is everything, Troy. And do you think there's a, a big factor in the case that other oil companies were jumping on board in a big way so when you went to mobile one they already knew what the rest of their market was doing to be honest with you not really for mobile one um i think that they've got uh, i can't talk about their business specifically but obviously um their business is changing slightly and there was a marketing opportunity or brand opportunity for their business to connect um onto us and drive that key marketing strategy they're going to be rolling out moving forward and and it just happened to be really good timing, as you said, timing-wise, is that when change happened, we had a, a fantastic platform to give them, which aligned to their key strategies, their marketing and brand strategies moving forward. And so for us, it, for them, it wasn't more about what their competitors are doing. It's more the fact that um, the concept or the, the opportunity we presented to them aligned to their existing strategy, which they're working for um, for a couple of years now and, and about to roll out this year, which is, again, I can't talk about it, which is, but it's incredibly exciting and, and something we're really happy to be um, involved in as well. Um, just talking about uh, things such as the other oil companies and the money that's coming into supercars, it does seem like there is new money, while mobile, of course, is old money, you know, it's still been there all along. Is the climate particularly tight um, for supercars and sponsorship? Hunting at the moment? Um, I think it's. I don't think it's tight for supercars. I think it's tight for um, the sports market. There's no doubt about that. I, I, I think you know that I've worked with the Sydney Swans and the NRL and various other sporting codes, and I've got a lot of connections through all those um, sort of organisations. And um, the, the partnership market or sponsorship market, whatever you want to call it, is incredibly tough at the moment. And um, and that's not a supercar thing. That's a sporting landscape thing and that's a combination of, of some key factors being that there's um, a lot more product in the market now there's the you know um, the development of big bash and netball and um, women's football which is all they're all fantastic products um, but the challenge is is that um, the marketing dollars aren't increasing they're just being spread across more more assets and so so that means we're, we're all having to work twice as hard um, to secure the revenue. So, you know, I know all those other sports are finding it incredibly tough and it just means that you have to work um, a bit smarter and, and really uh, understand what your clients are trying to achieve and make sure that you're delivering a, a, a strategic partner, 
a partnership which is aligning to their key strategies, and you need to show them that you can deliver those outcomes for them. You've been particularly successful, I think, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but in, in retaining the sponsors that were there and have been there for some time with Walkinshaws. Yeah, we've, we've done, yeah, I think we've done a really good job. You know, obviously I'm biased, but um, but I think that comes not, not so much down to, to myself or, or my team. I think it's the fact that we've got um, a fantastic group of long-term partners who are, are ingrained in the fabric of our team and, and we're ingrained in the fabric of their business. We understand their business and they understand us. And, um, you know, the likes of when we, when we literally started from scratch, which we literally had to do when we, we obviously HRT finished was the likes of you know, SB Tools, long-term partners like SB Tools and Morris Finance all jumped on board straight away, basically saying we're behind you 100%. Sharkbite, again, a one-year partner was 100% behind us and Scanner and John Hart came on board. So all those guys that um, were with us for a long time, um, very quickly, um, before we even actually rang them, put up their hand and said, guys, we're, we're still here with you. Uh, we're we're going to continue continue this journey because we're really excited about what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, it is the truth that, of course, HSB behind Holden is you know one of the strongest brands in this country automotively. So you know it's, it's not as though you were having to, you know having to get people on board with some other DeSoto or some other strange brand. You know it, it's a well-known brand itself. Yeah, that's right, and that's our competitive advantage, I suppose. I mean, a couple of other teams have got that as well, which is, you know, obviously Penske's got a bigger business behind them. Roland's got a relatively big business, and, and, and so do we. We've got a, a much bigger, you know, the race team's tiny compared to everything else around the, um, at Clayton, you know. So we do caravans, we do, you know, um, Dodge Rams, we do HSV. So, so we're very lucky, um, you know, in my role that we had a, a great product sitting right next door to us, and... Um, really passionate, really excited to work together. And so when we sort of tapped on their door and said, hey, how would you feel about uh, turning our race team into HSV Racing and really aligning the race team to your business, uh, it w- they were they opened us up with, you know, they couldn't, we couldn't happen fast enough, basically. So, so that, was, that was a really easy decision to make. And then what helped with that is when we got Mobile One on top of that, then we really had a great, a really great brand to bring to market. Mm. Well, marketing is a relatively new business. I mean, we're talking probably only about a 25 to 30 years at maximum, really, where it's been in its own right, its own industry. You, you have a unique position in that you've worked in the two of the biggest codes in this country, in AFL and NRL. What's the biggest difference coming across now to work in supercars as you have done for the last six years, seven years? Um, the biggest change from when I first was there and where I am now is I just think it's a lot more complex. You know, I think back in the day, you know, in 2007, it was a much simpler business. You know, I think we had about, could be wrong, but about 30 staff in the Gold Coast. And, and we basically turned up with our show. We had promoters running all the events, so we didn't um, do the production of the events. Uh, the TV broadcast shot all the, all the broadcast. And so but nowadays, you look at the, 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 the way the business works is V8, uh, sorry, supercars, I've got to get that right, supercars um, are actually the promoter of the majority of the events, which is, you know, they're incredibly complex um, events to put on. You know, Newcastle, for example, is, that's, it's going to be a fantastic event, but it's, and, you know, I don't think people understand the detail and all the work you need to do to put that sort of world-class event on. And, and I think, you know, considering that the changes 
in that landscape where now you know, supercars are actually the TV production and, and they're doing all these other elements which I didn't do before. I just think it's a much more complex business. But I think the guys are doing a really great job at supercars under, under James. You know, I think it's it's not as easy, easy as everyone thinks, but I think they're, they're doing a good job of um, delivering a great product great product to market but the challenge is which we all need to to own this including teams is that uh, we need to work together to make sure we stay, rel- stay relevant in the market because there's so much competition out there well thank you Troy for giving us a, an insight into your world and the, the daily battles and weekly fights that you have in uh, keeping the uh, mobile one HSV racing brand up there at the very top I know Adrian and uh, his team are all working hard to make sure the cars are at the front end, leading as, as much as you have been with what's uh, presented as a wonderful-looking brand and, uh, and livery. Great. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate your time. Oh, look, thank you. Next, after the break, we'll have a wrap-up where Craig and I will have a look at what hot topics at this moment. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two level two the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Well, that's certainly a great insight into the world of a commercial manager in this day and age of trying to locate, identify and then attract those sponsors to come on board and sponsor a supercar team. Not an easy job at all, Craig. I wouldn't like it, that's for sure, Tony. Yeah, I think they have to be measured not only every weekend but every day as to how successful they had had been at that that, uh, project. Um, Coming up in the next two weeks is the Grand Prix, which is an important Race, although there are no points on offer, I understand that will change possibly in the future. But there are no points on offer, but there is a big learning curve in terms of the Supercell type, which features in three of the next four race meetings. And I think because the Grand Prix is a non-championship round, a lot of teams forego doing testing at the uh, official test at Sydney Motorsport Park to do their testing with the Supersoft at the Grand Prix instead and just about all the engineers I spoke to all talked about the fact that uh, it was going to be important to do well at the Grand Prix but more importantly get that super soft information. Yes well of course with those very fast and loaded corners they get ready for Tasmania which Simmons Plain features not only the slowest corner of all the tracks we visit but also one of the fastest corners. So they do get some real information that they can relate exactly to how the car performs, where they've been mostly on slower corners, although Adelaide's turn eight, they were on the different tyres. So it's an important weekend next uh, next fortnight. It is indeed. Also important for teams that perhaps didn't have the results they were expecting or looking for and to be able to bounce back a bit and show that they do have the speed they need. And uh, I think the mega racing outfit with Jason Bright will be one that's looking to turn around their fortunes. And, and also techno, Will Davison didn't have the best of weekends 
and you'd have to th- you have to expect these guys will be looking to use this this Grand Prix weekend as a launching board into the uh, next slog of the championship. Uh, of course, as you mentioned, starting with Tassie. In fact, you could say that over half the teams really have got some homework to do. Um, you've got to look at the fact that the two of, or three of the other PRA teams, I mean, both Chaz and Cam Waters uh, had, had good weekends in Adelaide, but the other two didn't. You look at HRT, only half of them did. Scott Pies still getting used to a new car and a new team, uh, and a good number of the others. I mean, while uh, Slade and Perkat showed signs by being qualifying, they didn't get the results they really want or need as did a good number of other teams. GRM were about there, and certainly Moff was looking at better. Garth re- relearning an old uh, pair of shoes. Not the car, of course, but just his old team. Um, so there's a good number of teams who've got plenty to learn this weekend or the following weekend at the Grand Prix. Mm, indeed. And then you have to worry, wonder about, well, it's an engineer-driven sport now. It's a handling-driven sport. It's not an engine-driven sport anymore. And you have to wonder how much work the engineers, how many trick bits the engineers are going to get their hands on between test day, Clipsal, and then into the Grand Prix to try them out before the money's on the line again. Interesting you mentioned that engine. There was one particular segment of the race when Shane Van Gisbergen was trying to catch Fabian. And it did appear that the as a long history of Dick Johnson having extremely strong engines... That Penske uh, Ford did appear to have the legs every time um, on the Triple Eight car of uh, Van Gisbergen, number 97. He made his big passes all under brakes, and he did it extremely well. I mean, that the pass he made on uh, Scotty McLaughlin was just a superb piece of work. I mean, Scotty made a mistake, but he really did do some great passes down there in the turn nine. He did, and uh, I think uh, Scott McLaughlin was saying to us at the end of the weekend that he did like, he like the Volvo was powerful, but he did like the power under his f- foot at uh, the DJR team Penske have provided him. Yeah, well, I imagine that Dick is enjoying that very aspect. It was something that he always enjoyed when uh, he was running his DJR cars and those Falcons that he had for quite some years at Bathurst and at other race meetings around Australia they would be the ones that would be pulling the, pulling a few lengths on the other cars. Mm. In All fact, right. uh, well, Tony, it was interesting because uh, uh, Fogues, our good friend, Mark Fogarty, uh, in last weekend's Fairfax papers was saying that the organisers of the Grand Prix have decided to put off trying to get this year's race as a championship race, but they are going to be full force trying to get it up next year. And, of course, as you remember... For years, we were being told it was the television deal that was stopping yeah. them. Now we've got the television deals aligned with 10 and Foxtel. So it was then said that Bernie was the holdup. Now, Bernie's been removed. You have to think that perhaps the Grand Prix isn't going to be a, a glorified test session and it perhaps it's going to become a very serious motor race. Which would be fantastic to see and probably get some of those Grand Prix uh, blokes hanging over the fence even further time. What's watch the uh, V8 racing. 
Indeed. After the break, we'll come back with our final thoughts. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie Stewart at the Grand Prix and I just remind myself of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Graham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back, Craig. Another interesting look into the world of supercars and another different aspect of it. What are your final thoughts on this week? Well, I think I want to touch on something that Troy finished up with, actually, in that interview with him earlier. Uh, Supercars is a much bigger business than just a a group that gets together to put a race on. And with the television arm, the events arm, and and the events arm isn't just the race event. They're putting on concerts. They're putting on a whole mass of other, other projects, all in and around a race meeting. Now, admittedly, some of these things are to help attract a crowd, but gee, when you think about, I reckon their business is about five businesses in one nowadays. It's not just uh, what we saw when this thing first started, and that is getting a few cars at a racetrack and making sure they all turn up on time. It it doesn't necessarily get the credit that it should get. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, now we're heading towards the second of 15 events for supercars this year. The Grand Prix, which of course in many ways is the biggest one because it's the internationally covered one, the most uh, prestigious of Australian motorsport, although Adelaide of course is one of the biggest events with sometimes the crowd being larger than they get at the Grand Prix. It's a fantastic thing to think of that this year for the first time we'll have a race in another city, a new city to our calendar in Newcastle. And there's certainly a lot of subject needs to be covered in that, and we'll have a, start to have a look at that in next week's show. So, Craig, it's, it's goodbye from me. And it's good night from him. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars.